Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. And I'm Rachel Popchek, and we're here to share with you the mental skills you need to help improve your performance and get your head back in the game. We will offer practical applications and diverse perspectives to help you apply these mental skills to your life. Welcome back to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rachel Popchek. And I'm Rob Bombacco. On today's episode, we're speaking with Darren McMains. Darren is currently the director of mental conditioning at ReliaQuest. ReliaQuest is located in Tampa and is the top cybersecurity company in the world. He is a former professional baseball player and professional baseball manager and has been working in the field of mental conditioning for the past nine years. He has built out mental conditioning programs for the San Francisco Giants, Seattle Mariners, and the University of Notre Dame. He has also consulted with the Fisher Institute, preparing college football players for the NFL Combine, and in addition to his new role in the tech industry, is currently consulting with Major League Baseball players. He has a Master's of Science in Psychology and a Master's of Arts in Sports and Exercise Psychology. Darren currently lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Darren, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. So I guess I'd love to, to just kind of get started here. Just Would you mind telling us just a little bit more about your background, kind of what led you to do the work that you do today? You had an awesome bio there, and I'd love to just kind of hear more about um, your story. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, I'll pick it up just really at the end of my professional baseball playing career, you know, so played for seven years professionally, and then uh, moved into coaching and specifically with the San Francisco Giants in, in their minor league system. And I, I managed there as well. But that was when I really started to see that, you know, a mindset can be coached, right? It, it can be developed. There are actual mental skills. I think when I was a player, you know, my impression of sports psychologists or mental skills coaches were, was, you know, they are for the people that are all messed up, you know? And so I avoided them like the plague, you know? And so, <laughs> Uh, reality is though, you know, based on, you know, now experience and hindsight, I look back and go, wow, at the end of my career, I really could have really could have benefited from someone to talk through just because I'd had my fifth surgery and I ultimately ended up retiring because of, of injury. And so, uh, but I really could have benefited from having someone to, to, to share those, you know, this challenges with, right. Cause it's one of those things that you try to internalize as an athlete and you're like, I'm just going to put my head down and fight through it, you know, and you know, what I, what I tell athletes now is like, you know, not until you speak a problem out and you put it out there, can you really tackle it, you know? And so if you mm-hmm. keep it inside, it's really hard to tackle it. So that being said, when I got to coaching and, and managing is when, you know, I saw how mindsets uh, impact performance, you know, because I would see, you know, the, the most talented players in the world coming in every year, they'd all look great in practice. And then something would happen when the lights went on, you know? And so I was like, wow, for me to be a better coach, I better understand uh, mindset. And so with that, Went back, got my master's, um, you know, in sport and exercise psychology. And um, from there, you know, started the, the Giants' first peak performance program back in the fall of 2012. Did that for a few years. Uh, fortunately, was a part of that player development staff that where we had won three world championships in five years, you know, in 2010, 12, and 14. So really fortunate to be a part of that. And I can tell you, I learned 
more than I contributed, you know, that's for sure. Um, so really uh, fortunate to be a part of that. From there, I had the opportunity to go to the University of Notre Dame and build out their uh, first uh, mental conditioning department, which actually sat within the athletics department. And it was mostly coaching the coaches, which was a great experience. You know, mm -hmm. some of the best collegiate coaches uh, in the world are at the University of Notre Dame. So to have the opportunity to, to learn from them, share with them, and, and just be inspired by the fact that, you know, they're at the top of their game and they're um, looking for ways to get better, right? How, how can they get a little better, which was really cool. You know, it kind of goes to that you don't have to be sick to get better type mentality. And then from there, you know, had the opportunity to work in the major leagues with the, with the Seattle Mariners and, and continue what, what they had built out over there in, in regards to peak performance and mental skills. And then finished up the last few years with the Giants. You know, got, it was fun to get back with Bruce Bochy, you know, before he, he retired and, and get with some of the guys that I'd been with early on. And, and now just taking on this completely new challenge of, um, you know, working in the tech industry, uh, at, again, you know, as, as you mentioned at the, at the top uh, at ReliaQuest, which is, you know, the top cybersecurity company in the world. Um, and just, again, the fun part for me is I really don't know how it's, it's going to go, you know, because it's so new and I've never, you know, brought uh, sport and performance psychology principles to the tech space, you know, mm -hmm. but I was super inspired by their CEO, Brian Murphy and, and his investment and their employees in regards to like, you know, kind of that same mentality of like, hey, how can we get a little better? You don't have to be sick to get better. Like these are, these are professionals too. They are performers too. You know, they're working in, you know, one of the most demanding industries in regards to cybersecurity. And, and you know, I would argue probably one of the most important industries in the world right now and how, how they can protect all of our, um, you know, privacy. And so uh, with that being said, super inspired that, that he was um, looking forward to building out something new and, and, you know, feel humbled that, you know, he has entrusted me to do that. And so I've been there for six weeks now and mm -hmm. uh, that's what we're building out. So that, that gets us to today. Awesome. So follow-up question on, on, you said kind of your own career and how with the, you know, mental skills that you really didn't maybe, I don't know, learn about them or kind of uh, realize how important they were till maybe after your playing career. Um, just curious, you know, now coaching, do you run into some similar things with athletes and kind of buy in and, and how, you know, this, how important this, this stuff is to performance. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, and I, and I think it helps me empathize with them too, because mm -hmm. of, you know, I was that reluctant, you know, smirking athlete, you know, looking out of the corner of my eyes in the back of the room, you know, yep. you know, player. And so uh, that, that helps me in, in connecting with them and helping them understand like that's a normal part of the process, you know, that, you know, and, and I encourage it, you know, I said, please, please doubt this, you know, mm -hmm. because I think the mm -hmm. one thing practitioners have got to really remember, especially working at the professional level, I can say is like, like they got there without you, right? Mm -hmm. you know, like they didn't, they have never needed you before, mm -hmm. you know, and so I think, you know, some people get in trouble in working with professional athletes in, um, you know, thinking they're going to be the, the person that comes in and rescues them and, you know, mm -hmm. and whatever that, you know, the Messiah complex or whatever you want to call it, you know, but I think sometimes uh, that, that gets um, us practitioners in trouble, you know, versus like, hey, you're going to have to earn trust, you know, and, uh, you know, the whole doesn't, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care type thing. So it's like, you got to be there, you got to be invested in their career, you got to be a good listener, mm -hmm. um, you know, you got to support them and their goals, you know, and just, 
really support them a lot early on because at one point, you know, I say this all the time, but it's like, you know, our, a lot of our job is to help people focus on the process. Right. And, but you don't ever have to focus on the process if your results are always good, you know? Mm -hmm. And so generally professional athletes, their results have always been good. So like, why would I choose to focus on anything else? Because these results are sick. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel good because I'm beating everybody, you know? So it's like, nah, I'm going to keep focusing on the results. But what happens is you get into professional sports and the level of the playing field, you know, um, obviously is pretty level at that point. And so then failure sets in, right? And then it's like, okay, hey, let's talk about it. So I think just being there, uh, a big part of being a a mental skills coach at the professional world is, is to be there, to be ready to shift perspectives when their identity gets rocked a little bit because they've been hanging their identity on results for so long. Right. Well, and I love that you're talking about kind of from that, from that practitioner level, you know, like you said, they, they got there without you. And so we need to really make sure that we're functioning as, you know, part of that team. Like it's, it's a collaborative effort in kind of achieving their goals. And so I guess I'm just kind of curious like what are some of the biggest differences, whether it's, you know, in terms of mental skills and the way that they're used in terms of goals, in terms of obstacles, you know, anything, but, but what are some of the biggest differences that you've noticed kind of in your move from athletics to, to more of kind of the corporate world? Yeah. You know, uh, the one, the, the, the one thing that I can say is consistent, right. And this doesn't matter if you're working with a youth team, a collegiate team, a professional team, corporate, wherever you're working, you know, they're really kind of three things that are going to determine the, the success of a team. And there are three things that will determine the success of an individual. Like team first is first thing you got to have is clarity of target. Second thing you got to have are good systems in place that feed into that clarity of target. And then the third thing you got to have is good communication, right? And that's for a team. So it's like, so it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter what team you're working with in any space, like I think as in our field to help uh, recognize those things and clarify those things and build better and more efficient systems, right? When we work within team dynamics and then check in on those communication cues, you know, whether it's nonverbal, verbal, you know, how you send emails now, you know, um, so it's, it's interesting. You go from like how you send emails to like how you communicate on a court or on a field. So it's kind of fun, but, uh, and then, and then individual success, uh, again, it doesn't matter if you're um, a CEO or you're a musician you know, or a professional athlete, like you got to have clarity of target, you know, you got to know what the heck you're, you're working towards. You got to have processes, you know, uh, that feed into that clarity of target. And then the, the third thing you got to have are, are habits, you know, habits that fit within the processes that align with the target. And so, you know, uh, again, like I kind of just work from that space in wherever I'm at, whether it's sports, you know, or now corporate, it's like, okay, let's, let's just start at the top clarity of target, you know, cause Discipline doesn't exist without a clear target, you know, perseverance doesn't exist without a clear target, you know, will, you know, willpower, whatever you want to call it, you know, pushing through doesn't happen without, you know, a a clearly defined target. And so uh, that's where it kind of all starts. And then uh, from there, it's just helping, you know, people identify, you know, what those distractions are, because when you have a clear target, you also get clear distractions. It's like, oh, okay, I didn't know that was a distraction until I realized where I'm headed. And so now it's like, moved over into like, okay, now we've um, identified these as some distractions. So how can we change the environment to, you know, help support the habits that feed into your process. And so that's, that's what it kind of looks like. Yeah. And I guess I'm, you know, in terms of kind of that performance aspect and, and, 
you know, I love kind of those consistencies, you know, in, in either world, basically. But with kind of that performance aspect, I think we maybe tend to define kind of sports performance. You know, we, we, we understand an athlete performs, right? It's just kind of, you know, how everybody sort of looks at it. Um, but I guess I'm curious, like, have you noticed that those more in kind of the business world see themselves as performing or is that something that you've kind of had to work with them on their understanding of performance what that means you know because i think we have a, a sort of different understanding of that term depending on sort of the arena that it's being used in yeah you're absolutely absolutely correct yeah and, it, and it's just helping shift their perspective on that like what their performance looks like you know and it is i mean so, it sounds silly, but we all, we all know this, but it's like response time to an email, right? Mm -hmm. Like that matters. It just flat out matters. You know, like, I mean, if it's three days, two days, or someone gets back to you right away, you're like, oh, wow. Like all of a sudden it sends that message of like, hey, this person cares about me or this company cares about me or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to increase engagement or, you know, improve the relationship between, you know, customers or whatever. And so, um, you know, that's one thing. Uh, another thing is, you know, it goes back to messaging, right? And like, uh, how clear can you, um, how clearly can you articulate someone's expectations? You know, like, Hey, like what, what can I expect from you? You know, and this is what I expect from you. And then you tell me, you know, what, what I can expect from you because, because we know this, right. Clarity, I say this all the time, but it's like clarity breeds focus, right. And then focus breeds commitment, you know, and then commitment, well, that breeds excellence, you know? And so it's like, but it starts with like, clarity so like how clear can you articulate you know what you want and then a lot of the challenge in in business I'd, I'd say is finding those measurable behaviors you know because in sport you know analytics is so huge and there's processes and clearly defined things where we can point to especially in baseball right you can point to like oh you know we got to throw more strikes or you know pound the top of the strike zone or you know score first and you have a better chance to win or what are all of those things are so in business it's like okay hey what are those tangible things, what are those measurable things that lead to us winning, you know, whatever that win is in that particular company, and then to define those, right? And because and, I know that once you define them, you can develop them, right? And, and if you can measure them, well, then you can manage them. And when you can manage them, you can improve them, you know? And so it's just like really working through all those things with them, like what is your performance? And then what are the tangible things that actually lead to wins for this particular company? Yeah, I, th I mean, I such a good point. I, I think, you know, when we're talking about the like mental skills stuff, um, you know, especially like you said, professional, you know, college level, um, you know, ultimately it's about those wins and losses, right. In the end. Um, and so how, you know, the physical skills, right. We can practice those and we see, um, you know, those results are seeing play out on the field or court or, or whatever. Um, but sometimes the mental stuff, not, not as visible. Right. Um, so, so again, that kind of, um, buy-in, I know you mentioned to with Notre Dame kind of working more with the coaching staff uh, or coaches at, at Notre Dame, um, you know, and, and what were some of the things that were looked at, um, on the sports side of things, as far as like, again, how, how do we see this as effective? How do we know this is effective? How, how is this helpful in our performance and will contribute to those wins and losses? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I can tell you, so I think what you're getting at is like, how, how do you know you're being effective in your role? Like, like how right. does the mental skills right. coach yeah. Uh, know? Yeah. So always the challenge, right. And working in the field of psychology, because it's like, you can't cut people's heads open and see right. what they're <laughs> thinking, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there are some things that, again, I can tell you like what, what we established in baseball is awareness and readiness is really the two mm-hmm. things I talked about. It's like, Hey, mental game, like what's a good mental game, awareness and readiness. So it's yeah. like, I'm aware of myself, my strengths and weaknesses. I'm aware of the situation. Like, so, you know, the scoreboard, the situation of the game, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm aware of the role on my team, you right. know, and then I'm aware of who I'm competing against their tendencies, you know? So, you know, um, so it's like self-awareness, situational awareness, and then like com- competitive awareness, I guess we would sure. call it. Right. And so you look at those things. So that again, helped me create a framework. So then if a coach is talking with a player and, you know, something happened in the game where, you know, uh, they screwed up or they didn't, they didn't, they didn't do what they were supposed to do, whatever that might be. Um, we try to, you know, say, Hey, what was it a self-awareness issue? You know, was it like, maybe, you know, it was a two O count. We'll say two balls, no strikes you know, and he tries to hit a homer and the guy has one homer in his last, you know, 400 right. at bats. It's like, mm-hmm. well, you just wasted the pitch, you know, it's mm-hmm. like nothing against you personally, but that's not within your strengths and weaknesses. We need you to get on base because the role of your, you know, your skill set demands for you to get right. on base here to let the other guys that hit home runs hit you, right. in, you know? And so again, so awareness is the first piece. And then the second one is, is readiness, right? And so readiness, how, how we defined in sport or in baseball was, you know, are you, do you know your hot zone, right? We'll just say as a hitter, do you know, is your hot zone, what your hot zone is? And then are you swinging at pitches within that? And are you taking pitches that are outside of it? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like, because then we try to get to like an actual tangible behavior. And then, yeah. you know, the, the question is, if they are swinging at those pitches within their hot zone, you know, um, then we determine them to be aware and ready, right? So that was just like one tangible measure that we could sure. use that kind of connected back to the mm-hmm. mental game, you know, uh, and we did some yeah. other things where, you know, um, and, and this is not team wide cause at the major league level and even for, you know, in the minor league level, it's really hard to get guys to do stuff team wide, you know, but individually mm-hmm. guys that were really focused on it, it's like, um, you know, the, the mindfulness practice of coloring, you know, like, uh, people that, you know, do coloring books, it's like, we give them a, a strike zone right and say you know just before every game just color in your hot zone right so mm-hmm. it's a way one it's just a mindfulness practice right and then the other thing was it was also reinforcing um what their particular hot zone was so they could you know again another form of visualization too so they could visualize you know the kind of the, the area that they were looking for a pitch so again those are just um i don't know a few examples and tangible things that, that yeah. i've done in the past oh, that's awesome no i think that those you know, kind of like you're talking about kind of the mental skills, the visualization, the way that, that sort of you're, you use those and measure those. Have you noticed any differences in the way that, that athletes kind of think versus business professionals think, right? Because I mean, we know that, that athletes are just typically those more goal oriented, like, you know, here's point A, point B, here are the steps that I need to get there sort of mindset, right? Um, what are some of the similarities or differences that you've seen kind of in just that mindset between athletics and, and more business professionals? Sure. Uh, I'll definitely have a better answer for this in like six months, but for right <laughs> now, what I, what I've seen is business professionals are um, in it for the long game, you know, and they, 
um, can pace themselves better, you know, uh, but they have to be more intentional about defining wins and losses, right? Like the athlete generally uber competitive goes really hard, really fast for, you know, an extended amount of time, right? Whatever that is. And then they get a rest for a while, you know, and, and, and at the end of every day, there's a scoreboard that indicates whether you won or lost. So there's a real clear, you know, indicator of like uh, good job or, you know, back to the drawing board, figure out what, you know, where you screwed up. Whereas like business professionals, it's like, it's the long game, you know, and I've learned like literally, and then this, and these are in conversations, you know, just with other, you know, CEOs or other business professionals, but it's like, literally, if you don't give up and work hard every day in business, you will be successful. You will, you just will. I mean, in sport doesn't work that way right? Because there's like a smaller window of opportunity. There's always a new draft. Like people are coming to take your job. Um, you know, uh, the game starts at seven, it ends at 10. So there's a very short window for you to have success, you know, and if you lose too many in a row, you know, you might get released or sent to, or wherever you end up, you know? So, um, so that's why I think, you know, athletes are more wired to go harder, faster, and then they get their off season to like recharge their battery, you know, whereas mm -hmm. in the business world, there is no off season, really. Right. It's like, hey, how can I play the long game? You know, how can I, you know, on a scale of one to 10, you know, how can I be a seven every day, you know, versus like an athlete? It's like, I can be a 10 for these three months, you know, or whatever yeah. it might be. So uh, th that's what I would say is probably the, um, the, the differences that I've seen so far. You bring up a really good point just about kind of the those differences in kind of the kind of bursts of work, if you will. Um, and one of the things that, that Rob and I definitely kind of talk a lot about, and I'm sure you do too, is, is burnout. Um, and so I guess I'm curious just kind of what's sort of your maybe favorite advice or favorite focus for kind of avoiding burnout, especially when it comes to these different bursts of work, especially maybe when, when there isn't that built-in break like you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of things that can contribute to burnout, you know, so like to be able to try to give one big encompassing thing, but the, I can tell you just one thing that I've been on recently because of quarantine fatigue, right, with business mm -hmm. professionals is, um, as my friend, you know, Dave, Dave Maddock talks about, he talks about this thing called adventure debt, you know, like we have this adventure debt right now that like we're all wired to have some adventure in our life, right? We're, in, we're wired for discovery and new experiences and, and this pursuit of joy is what we're mm. wired for. And during this quarantine period, that, right, has been zapped a little bit, right? We can't travel, you know, or we're not supposed to, let me say that, um, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and they've really um, impacted our routines. And so I can say like, you know, even for me, like I'm working remotely, the, the company that I work for is in Tampa, I'm in Phoenix. And so I work remotely. So there's a chance I might never leave my house all day, right? I wake up, I go to go to work per se, and then I get done and it's dinner time. And then, you know, hang out with the kids and then I go to bed and then I do it again. It's like, well, that was fun, you know? So, um, but, and it's interesting because there's this paradox of like the importance of routines. And so routines are super important for productivity but if, you're, if all your life is, is, is routine, then what happens is, you know, I think that's going to lead to burnout, right? And because of quarantine, right, a lot more of our life has been like blurry and blended. And it's like this, this re, re, big routine now. And so my encouragement would be to 
uh, add some adventure to your day. And you're probably thinking, well, cool, but I can't travel or I'm not allowed to leave my house or whatever, you know? And it's like adventure, like if you think about this, the definition of, I don't know if this is the official definition, but Dave, my friend says this. And so I, I like it, you know, he's like, it's just aversion with risk. You know, mm. it, if you search for aversion and there's no risk, well, that's just vacation, you know, but aversion with risk. Now we're talking about adventure and, and you can do that within your own home, you know? And so, I mean, as simple as like, if you can't leave your house, you're not supposed to, or whatever it is, like you could just take a cold bath once a week. Like, <laughs> talk about your heart rate. You know what I mean? Like jumping yeah. in doing a cold plunge and you're like, Oof, like that's, that's adventure. But like, I mean, just thinking about that kind of excites me, you know, I'm like, oh, that's sure. kind of cool. Or as simple as um you know cooking exotic foods or uber eats or whatever you know get some order some exotic foods that you've never had and you'll probably never eat again but you might discover something in the middle of it you know or uh you know maybe you like taking a walk around your neighborhood instead of doing it at 5 p.m when you normally do it what does it look like at 5 a.m you know or what's mm -hmm. it look like at 10 p.m you know and obviously you just kind of change it up a little bit uh again so that's what i would say in regards to to burnout would would be again and professional athletes i think do this pretty well, you know, um, and I think that's why sometimes they get in trouble is because they seek too much adventure, right? And so we got to say, hey, man, let's reel that back, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, but for the most part, just finding that, again, as he says, paying off your adventure debt, you know, I think can really uh, help with burnout. I love that, you know, I love the term kind of adventure debt and, you know, absolutely kind of that paradox between routine and adventure. And I think that, that, that's so important to be able to focus on, um, you know, yes, the routine, yes, the consistency, yes, to the certainty, but at the same time, you know, knowing those ways that we can still kind of fuel our creativity and, and how that really fuels our strengths in, in so many ways and fuels our passion um, and in so many different ways. So that that's, a kind of wonderful term and I'm definitely going to be using that if, if you don't mind but um I, I credit if, Dave I credit <laughs> well I will certainly credit him as well so <laughs> thank you for that yeah um it's one more just kind of question for you going back to when you were kind of talking about um you know your work with coaches and you know and your work in coaching um what's your advice sort of for coaches and CEOs the sort of the coaches of the business world, if you will, um, in kind of supporting the mental health of, you know, the, the players and staff. Yeah, you know, um, first, I mean, offering grace, right, and understanding that, um, especially now more than ever, right, because everybody's kind of managing, you know, this pandemic differently, you know, and mm -hmm. how they see it and their perspectives are, are really um you know, can be different. And so I think one is just to think about always leading with grace, you know, be one. Two, I think asking a lot of questions, you know, I, I think coaches are wired, myself included, to just, uh, and CEOs as well, right, to give, to give statements, to give advice versus like letting someone talk through it. You know, we talked earlier about being able to verbalize something so we can get out of our heads and we can actually look at it and see it and then tackle it, you know. So I think uh, start leading with questions more, you know, if that's not maybe a strength of a coach. Um, so those are two off the top of my head. And then, you know, three, I think, um, really search for fun. You know, I think just the overall stress, like, I mean, like last year, 
you know, with the, with the giants part of, there was just so much everyday stress and tension around, you know, social injustices, pandemic, you know, COVID test. I mean, there's just stress every day and then still trying to perform at extremely high level and go to the playoffs, you know? And so I really saw my role kind of like almost switch to like, how can I make this place fun? You know, because there is some, some stress relief there. I mean, you know, it's like, how can I help people laugh? Because I can't even see people's mouths right now because we're all wearing masks, you know? And so I think, you know, to pivot, you know, because I, I think part of coaching is understanding where your team is at in time and space, you know, and what they need, right? You know, and so it's like my job is to always recognize where they need to be and how am I going to get there? And sometimes I think a lot of people, especially now, are, are wound up too tight. And so now it's like, you know, I'm going to need to create some more fun, some more levity, whatever that might mean to bring people back to turn the dial down, you know, and, and you'll never get it right. That's what I'll say. You know, it's like, you'll probably go too far and then people will be like, woo, you know, just doing whatever they want. And then you're like, Oh, I better dial it back up, you know, but that's, I mean, that's the coach, right? That that's yeah. the CEO. That's the job of a coach is to turn consistently turn that dial. Do I need to turn it up? Do I need to turn it down? And so, um, yeah, I would just encourage coaches that are, you know, tend to be really hard drivers to look for ways to um, create more opportunities to laugh and smile. And if that's not their strength, I would turn it over to a coach or a middle skills or somebody else that can strength coach, you know, someone mm -hmm. that can handle that um, again, just as, as that stress relief. So my, just my last question is uh, and I'm kind of probably putting you on the spot with this, but you know, I know there's so many different, parts of the mental game and so many mental skills, um, you know, that are effective. If an athlete is kind of just starting to get into this and, and starting to really work on, on training their mind, is there one specific area? I mean, I know you spoke about <clears throat> routine and you, you mentioned some visualization stuff before, but, um, you know, a specific area you'd kind of encourage them to start with or, or a specific skill you'd encourage them to start with? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it all starts with self-awareness, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, and so, because it, it doesn't matter where we go next. Like if you don't know what type of competitor you are, right. Then where the heck are we going to go? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's like asking a lot of questions around, you know, like, strengths, weaknesses, what do you like to do? What's yep. your past experience like? You know, all those types of things because, you know, I kind of go through this, you know, process of like, uh, and we all know this, right? I mean, how you see yourself determines how you see the world, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to have an accurate view of yourself if you want to see the world at least close to accurate, you know? Right. And, and then how you see the world, right? Our perspective determines our thoughts, right? How we think about mm -hmm. it. And then how we think about the world ultimately influences how we feel, right? Because it's like, you know, uh, oh, I think that, so that makes me angry. I think that it makes me happy, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then how we feel ultimately influences how we act, right? And so when I, when I think about mental skills, I kind of, you know, deconstruct that. So I think about, all right, if we want to change some actions, what's the thing that probably influences actions most? It's probably their emotions, right? So let's give them some emotional management strategies that we can do in the moment. You know, mm -hmm. whether that's a deep breath um, is probably like the simplest thing to slow down their heart rate, right? right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then okay, once we kind of have a, that strategy in place, it's like, all right, now let's back that up. How come he was feeling that way or she was feeling that way? Because of probably some thoughts. Oh, self-talk strategies. Okay, let's go to self-talk strategies mm -hmm. now because if we can get this dialed in. Now we can probably um, uh, better, you know, control their emotions in the moment or get their emotions where they need to be so they can have success. And then, you know, after we do that for a while, it's like, 
well, why, you know, why were you thinking that? What in the world? Oh, mm-hmm. well, let's talk about your perspective. Now we're talking about like CBT, right? Like, you yeah. know, how can we re- reframe something to look at it differently? You know, and then at the end, it's like now, like, then you have the deeper conversation around like who they are as a person, right? It's like, how do you see yourself? What's the story you're telling yourself about yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, self-image, you know, values, beliefs, those types of things. Sure. Uh, because then when you, but you got to have a really great relationship with that athlete to really get to that point. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, again, I always want to start there, but you can't start there, you know, right. but I know that's where we're going to get. And so anyway, so that's kind of how I work through it. You know, the emotions, the thoughts, then perspective, and then ultimately the identity. Sure. Awesome. Really wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. We, we really appreciate all of your insights, certainly all of the work that you do. Is there anywhere that you want to kind of direct people to learn more about you and, and, the, and your work? You know what? People always ask me this and I always, I don't even know my Twitter handle. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I know. I think it's like McMain's DMAC or McMain's Darren, you know, um, yeah, they can find me there. You know, I don't know. Like, just Google uh, you. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I appreciate it. It's always, it's humbling when somebody asks you that. And it's, you know, you never, I don't know. So the, you can find me there. Um, and uh, but yeah, I love these types of conversations. And so thanks just for having me. It, it feels good to share. So my la- last thing, I'm a huge Mets fan. I really oh. maybe needed the <laughs> last years or so needed your assistance um you know with the you know giants uh, yeah on the wrong wrong side there <laughs> well i'll tell you uh they got a really good mental skills coach there uh josh lifrack is his name you know he's mm-hmm. with the cubs when they uh won the world series and so yeah. uh my boy lifrack's gonna do an awesome job there so um the mets are in good hands i can say that awesome good news Yep. All right. Yeah. Thanks again. Um, this is awesome. Ton of great information. And thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. Please make sure to join us next time as we continue to discuss the mental skills you need to get your mind back in the game and perform at your best.